Welcome back to Yesterday Today. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year's Eve. It's New Year's Eve over here. And uh, we were just getting ready, McLean and I. He's the uh, other guy on this show here. I'm Jake. That's, That's me. McLean. And we're, we're here, of course, to present, you know, the best of yesterday's radio today, you know, sounds of the past, all that. But it is New Year's Eve, and we're getting ready to head off to a, uh, uh, what should be a, a wild New Year's bash. Um, it will be unpredictable and surprising. Uh, we are going to Willie... Willie Hucksters and his son, uh, Billy Hucksters, they're holding a New Year's party. And originally, I did not want to go, as you might imagine. But it turns out um, Jake and I didn't necessarily receive a lot of other invitations for New Year's parties. And on a day like today, beggars cannot be choosers. So You got to party somewhere. So, hey, you know, I, I think New Year's Eve is the one night when I'll be able to stand the shenanigans of one Willie and one Billy and their book whiskeys and their uh, flaunting of the law, all that sort of stuff. But I think New Year's Eve is the one night of the year that sort of uh, requires that sort of recklessness. Yeah, yeah, their chaotic energy is exactly what this holiday needs. And after a couple of glasses of champagne, I think it'll it'll be a little easier easier to take. All right, so we're gonna head off to that after we get done with yesterday today here. But uh, first of all, let's see here what we got on the oh, Clayne, if you want to answer the door. It uh, would not be an episode of YT without a knock on the door, it seems. Ah, yes, the ever-present knocking door on our show. I will be right back. Hey, Virgil, what are you doing here today? I thought you dropped off the milk for the week the other day. I sure did. When it came by to pay a little holiday visit on account of the new year. Been delivering this here family eggnog to all the customers. Oh, wow, thanks. That's really nice of you. My pleasure. I hope you enjoy it. Be careful, though. Pretty powerful stuff. Powerful? Yeah. Make sure to use glass cups for not plastic. That can get ugly. Okay, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. Hey, you ringing in the new year tonight? Sure am, sonny. Me and the missus gonna lock up the barn heading to town to really live it up. Wow, that's exciting. Yeah, we used to celebrate down on the farm, but we had to put a stop to that. Oh, really? How come? Why, one New Year's Eve at the stroke of midnight, I blew a noisemaker down by the barn, and it spooked the chickens so bad they didn't lay eggs for the whole first week of the year. Well, part of waits for no man. I gotta get on my way. You bet. Uh, Happy New Year, Virgil. Happy New Year, sonny. <laughs> well, McLean, which of the four or five colorful characters in our lives was that? Probably the, the most palatable one. Virgil, the milkman, came by, and he dropped off this... This wonderful, very nice of him, he dropped up this wonderful holiday eggnog. Uh, he did warn me, though, do not under any circumstances put it in a plastic cup. Uh, it must be in a glass container. I am slightly concerned by that statement. Is this an acidity thing? He didn't specify, but I'll, I'm just going to take his word for it. I don't need to know much more than, than what he already told me. So Probably just uh, just set it near the window, I'd say. Well, the first show we have up for today is Fibber McGee and Molly, and this is not a normal Fibber McGee and Molly episode. It, it just so happens that on this New Year's Eve broadcast, they sort of uh, switched out their normal program for a, a music special with Fred Waring and the Pennsylvanians. So here is that. That's what we should have done. We could be out partying right now. From the Johnson's Wax People and from Fibber McGee and Molly, a sincere good wish for your New Year, expressed in music by Fred Waring and his Pennsylvanians. <laughs> Ride, 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 ride! We're gonna 
ride, 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 ride. We're gonna ride, 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 ride. We're gonna ride, ride, ride. It's New Year's Eve, the night of music celebration, and the makers of Johnson's Wax Products for Home and Industry present a brilliant half hour of music with Fred Waring and his Pennsylvania. Riding and shining for Johnson's Wax, Fred Waring. Hello, everybody. Hello, and thanks for coming. That was Bill Billings, who greeted you, and this is Fred Waring with 67 Pennsylvania noisemakers and music we hope you'll all enjoy. We're proud that the Johnson's Wax Company invited us to pinch hit for Fibber McGee and Molly and bring this special New Year's greeting to their vast family of friends across the nation. This is a happy reunion for the Pennsylvanians, having been with you and the Johnson's Wax people all last summer. So come to the party, everybody. It's a night of reservations and resolutions. Fun without reservations, and so far as resolutions are concerned, bring your own so you can break them early. Our own resolution, tonight anyway, is just a plain, complicated, zippity-doo-dah. <laughs> sitting at home this New Year's Eve with Fibber as he cracks jokes and walnuts. Now, Bill Bivens, make Harlow Wilcox proud of you. Well, just a few words to say about the coming New Year. 
you'd like to make your kitchen a brighter, more cheerful place to work in all next year, remember that good old friend of your floors, Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat. Regular glow coat care not only gives your linoleum a really beautiful shine, it freshens up the colors and brings out the original gay pattern. Makes your whole kitchen clean and bright. You know, of course, how easy glow coat is to use. You just apply it, then let it dry. That's all. There's no rubbing or buffing. Glow coat shines as it dries. Remember that in 1947, will you? And for brighter floors and a brighter kitchen, Johnson Self-Polishing Glow Coat. Broadway's birthday. Tonight, as on no other night of the year, the roar of the city has a special meaning. Its rhythm, an invitation to excitement. Its words, an invitation to gaiety. Your Manhattan Serenade.
acquaintance be forgot. New Year's Eve does bring memories of old times, doesn't it? Pennsylvania spent so many with you. How many, Fred? How many? Why, Bill? Not to embarrass you, but... What isn't that? I just hadn't... Uh, uh, Fred Cully, how many New Year's Eves have we worked together? Are you kidding? No. How many? Well, uh, let's see. My oldest daughter graduated from college in... Uh, w- uh... Would you settle for 20? That's conservative. And that's diplomacy. And so all these years, while people were running up and down Broadway with paper hats and horns, why, you folks have been playing somewhere all anxiety. Always. Listen, Bill. Hear that? Know what it is? Why, sure. It's uh, New Year's Eve on Broadway. A million people being happy. You know why? Why? Do do I know why they're happy? Yes. Well, uh, Fred, it's uh, to say that uh, they're... I don't either, but I bet I find out. How? Just get down and ask him. You mean go right down there to Times Square? Yes. Tonight? Yes, right now. Let's go. For 20 years, we sing Old Lang Syne, and now we gotta find out why. some youngsters harmonizing. Let's ask them. Well, why not? Hey, kids, you're singing, uh, we're Fred Waring and we, uh... Yeah, so? Well, we were enjoying your traditional Scottish air. Our what? Your application of the modern harmonic idiom to traditional balladry. Well, I'll tell you, mister, in the early Carampus of the Sorophon, the best minds hold the Tenefelignon of Francine and Perrine on the Fisterachal and Glyne. Now can we sing? Sing. Here comes the butler. Oh, I don't care what it is. I got a gentleman. What is it you wished? Well, uh, we're Fred Waring, and uh, we want to we want to know how you're celebrating New Year's Eve. Personally, I have a small red horn which I sound at thirty minutes intervals. The gentlemen, however, are listening to a musicale of two pianos.
Hey, Bill, look up there in front of that record shop. That's something. Hey, girls dancing. Man, are they having a time. Hey, girls. Oh, girls. Hi, Squares. What goes? Well, uh, we're Fred Waring. Oh, uh... I can't feel it. Caster, Cast, let these eggs poach. Take it from the top, mister. Well, we, we want to know what you're celebrating. Don't be an E-flat. New Year's, don't. 1947. What do you want? 1927? Come to think of it, maybe you got something there. Probably the most famous dance spot in America. Oh, my aching dogs. Listen, I couldn't drag one foot after... Oh, Willie! Willie Bivens! Where did you come from? Well, looking here now, doggone. If it ain't little Sally Washington down home. Happy little old New Year, honey. And me just pining for a dancing man. Well, honey, that's what you pine no more. Should old acquaintance be forgotten. <laughs> Here, Jim? Me? Sure, I'm celebrating. Look, I got paper streamers, new calendar, radio going. Well, I mean outside, crowds, trick hats, horns. 
Not anymore, Fred. Last few years, I've sort of celebrated inside, I guess you'd call it. Oh, we've been trying all evening to find out what people are so happy about. Of course, they didn't know. Huh. No? Do you? What are you celebrating with your paper streamers and your new calendar? Oh, a lot of little things that mean something to me. Nothing you'd write a song about, like love or world peace. Things like, well, tulips, maybe. Tulips? You, Jim? Yeah, tulips. Kid brought me some bulbs from Holland. Me, I never seen one before, so I looked them up. They grow red and yellow and white. You can't tell by the bulbs. They all look alike. But the kid says they're tulips, and the book says that's how they look. So I picked a spot in the alley back of the shop and put them in. You know, Fred, I think about them tulips all the time. Figuring how they're going to look and wondering which will be which. <laughs> so you're the tulip king of 8th Avenue and you celebrate. Tonight? Yes. New Year's Eve is like that. Like in bulbs of mine. Sure, maybe in April I'll have to dig them up and find them still looking like a dime's worth of dried onion. But tonight they're red. Yellow and white. Midnight tonight don't separate different years any more than any other night. But being people, we've got to have a beginning and an end to things. So we fixed ourselves a brand new beginning every year. New bulbs. Another chance for the fine red and yellow and white things we wanted and didn't get. Can't you see, Fred? Those people out there aren't silly or crazy. They're celebrating the finest thing God ever gives a fellow. A new hope for tomorrow. A new hope for tomorrow.
now, Bill Bivens for Johnson Flax. Thank you, Fred. I would like to remind our audience about the excellent protection that Johnson's no-rubbing, no-buffing glow coat gives to linoleum and other floors. I do know that about anything else, you want your floors to look nice. And, of course, glow coat is wonderful for giving your floors a really bright shine. But, you see, the same lovely glow coat shine that gives your floors such beauty also protects them against wear and scuffing shoes. So, with regular glow coat care, your linoleum keeps new looking years longer. This wax protection saves you work, too. Build things and dirt wipe up so easily and quickly. Try Johnson's self-polishing glow coat, won't you? It's easy to apply. There's no rubbing or buffing. It shines as it dries. In 20 minutes, your floors are all ready to walk on and shining beautifully. with our paper hats and horns or up here singing all lang syne. Two years does mean a new hope for, as Jim would put it, the fine red and yellow and white things we've wanted and haven't had. Let's hope they lie just ahead beyond the blue horizon. only begun beyond the blue horizon light of
Mrs. Fred Waring, thanks again for coming. Here's to your very happy new year. And we're glad the Johnson's Wax people called on us to express it musically for them. Fibber McGee and Molly and Don Quinn and all of the folks at 79 Whistful Vista. Fibber and Molly will be back answering the door chime next week at this same time. And when you care to call on us, we're on the air every morning over NBC. Now, the low bow to, uh, to the arrangers, Simeon, Ringwald, Aids, and Gerhardt, soloist Gordon Goodman, Jack Dolph, Jane Wilson, Marlene, Gerhardt, and all the Pennsylvanians, may there be music, gladness, and all good things in your new year. May it be tops. And as for us, all through 1947, we're going to ride, ride, ride. <laughs> Good night and happy new year. This is Bill Bivens speaking for the makers of Johnson's Wax Products of Mormon Industry, inviting you to tune in Trevor McGee and Molly as usual next Tuesday night. Good night. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Welcome back to Yesterday Today. That was Fred Waring and his Pennsylvanians on Fibber McGee and Molly. McLean, are you getting into that eggnog already? We haven't even left for the party yet. Oh, I, I tried to get into the eggnog. Uh, I opened it and uh, whew, I was I was hit with a very, very pungent odor, like a smack in the face. Oh, okay. Um. Oh, yeah, that's bad. Oh, dear. Oh, we, wow. Oh, my eyes are watering. He said this was his his family recipe. I don't know what his family has been putting in their eggnog, but I don't know about this one. We need to test this concoction out on someone whose stomach can handle it. Uh, who Who's dumb enough? Who is mindless enough that we could convince? Uh, hey, guys. Okay, me has been performing the security rounds as is me duty, and me is pleased to report that uh, outside of a couple of uh, noisy pigeons hanging out upon the roof, uh, there is not much else uh, going on uh, on this fine New Year's Eve. Thank you for the report, Mondo. However, there were some uh, little uh, street urchins building a very suspicious-looking snowman on the, in the empty lot uh, across the street. So me dutifully went over and uh, smashed it, just, uh, you know, for security purposes. Mondo, buddy, I would, I would like to thank you for your courageous service for, uh, for this building. And also, uh, would you like a drink of eggnog? <laughs> eggnog is my favorite drink. <gasps> Give me a cup. Here you go, buddy, here you go. Okay. Mondo, Mondo, you're splashing it. Oh, it's... Jake, it's eating through the table. (laughs) Oh, spicy. Oh, dear. Okay. Yeah, that... That not gonna sit well. Oh, just ain't... Just just ain't going well, fellas. Me, uh... Me me gonna go lie down. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Okay, clear the way. Well, I'm not sure I'll be sampling any more of this family eggnog? Yeah, maybe not. All right, well, the next show we have up today is Jack Benny. Uh, Jack Benny program can always be relied on every year for a, for, a, for a great classic New Year's Eve episode. Just like most holidays with Jack Benny, I find. Yeah, it was a show that's very good at that sort of thing. This, this episode is uh, centering around uh, Jack's attempts to get uh, tickets to the Rose Bowl, I believe. So here it is. Okay, false alarm. Have you got any more of that? You want more? <laughs> yeah. Of the eggnog? Just hand it over! Okay. The Lucky Strike program starring Jack 
Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, as you all know, the new year was ushered in by one of the nation's gridiron classics played in the Rose Bowl before a record crowd of 93,000 people. This game always produces statistics that are mulled over by sports lovers for weeks to come. 475 yards gained by running, 314 yards by passing, resulting in seven touchdowns and seven conversions. Yes, even the star of our show has been stunned at the amazing figures compiled by this football classic. 93,000 people at $5 a piece. <laughs> Gosh, what a game. Uh, it certainly was, Jack. <laughs> it seems that the Rose Bowl game gets more exciting every year. You're not kidding. I can remember when it was only 80,000 people at $3 a piece. <laughs> But I will say one thing, Don. You got to give the California Chamber of Commerce a lot of credit. They sure think fast. What do you mean, Jack? Well, during the half, they had a man climb up a ladder and paint a stem on the USC score so it would look like an orange. Gee, <laughs> <laughs> I can't get over. 93,000 people. Oh, hello, Mary. Hello, Jack. Hello, Don. Hello, Mary. I'm glad you're feeling better. Yes, Mary. It's certainly good to have you back on the show. Well, Jack, I hated to miss last Sunday's program, but I had that thing that's been going around. Virus X. Yes, yes, I know. Did you have a good doctor, Mary? Oh, Don, I must tell you about him. He's a new doctor in Beverly Hills, and he's the handsomest man you ever saw. Oh, fine. Gee, he's cute. And he's a bachelor, too. Really? All the girls in my neighborhood came over and asked me to throw germs on them. <laughs> oh, Mary, you fall for everybody. When you first got a fever, why didn't you send for my doctor? I did, Jack, and a fine doctor you've got. What? Jack, how long has he been treating you? Oh, for quite a while. Well, I've got news for you. He's a horse doctor. <laughs> he is not a horse doctor. He isn't, eh? When he got to my house, he threw a blanket over me and walked me around the room to cool me off. <laughs> what? And when he started to braid my hair, I threw him out. Oh, well, then that explains it. One day I called him up and told him my ankles hurt, and he sent over four bandages. <laughs> Well, Mary, what about the new doctor you called? What did he say? He told me I had virus X and I shouldn't run tomorrow. <laughs> oh, Mary, stop kidding, will you? You know, you, you should be, just be happy that you're well again. I am. And, Jack, I thought it was awfully nice of Alice Faye to take my place last Sunday. It certainly was, Mary, and she was just marvelous on the show. She did a terrific job. Well, she did, eh? <laughs> Yes, she did. And I was amazed how she could come in here at the last minute, pick up the script with no rehearsal, and give such a sensational performance. Is it true that she bleaches her hair? <laughs> Mary! Now, stop being catty. There's no way to start the new year. Oh, by the way, Jack, have you made any New Year's resolutions? No, no, I haven't, Don. Well, I have. I made a resolution to cut my food in half. Well, good, good. I'm glad to hear that, Don. It isn't good manners to take a whole steak and stuff it in your mouth. <laughs> no, no, 
no, Jack, I, I'm serious about losing weight. Really? I've given up bread, butter, and potatoes. Don, if you ever stop eating potatoes, Idaho will secede from the union. <laughs> Speaking of food, reminds me of eating, you see, and speaking of eating reminds me of my sponsor who makes it possible, and speaking, <laughs> and speaking of the sponsor reminds me of the commercial. Now, I've got something swell this week for, uh, this week for our quartet. Uh, where are the sportsmen, Don? Well, Jack, you remember they all had very bad colds last week. Yes. Well, they're not over it yet, and right now they're home in bed. But, Don, what are we going to do? We have to have a commercial. Well, they thought of that, so they sent their wives over. They're wives? Yes, yes, there they are, standing right over there. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, hello, girls. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> well, it, it's awfully nice of you ladies to come over. And help us out. Have they got a number prepared, Don? Oh, yes, Jack. It is quite unusual. I, I'm sure you'll like it. Okay, girls, let's hear it. Thanks so much for helping us out. Oh, you're welcome, and I want to thank you for sending your doctor over to take care of my husband. Oh, how does your husband feel? Well, I don't know. He just looks up at me with his big brown eyes and goes... <laughs> I guess Mary was right, huh? Well, goodbye, girls. Goodbye! goodbye. Say, Don, Don, uh, didn't I... Uh... <laughs> Don, didn't I see two of them at your house on New Year's Eve? Yeah, Jack, we had a lot of fun, didn't we? We certainly did. And Mary, I'm certainly glad that you're well enough to attend my New Year's Eve party. Oh, so am I, Dan. I had such a good time. But I haven't had a chance to tell you what happened after Jack and I left your house. Mary. What happened, Mary? Tell me. Well. Mary, it's all over. Forget about it. I will not. Oh. Don, it was after midnight. <laughs> As you remember, we were still at your house having a wonderful time. <laughs> Gee, you know, Mary, this is the best New Year's Eve party I've ever been to. Me too. But it's way past midnight. How about taking me home? Okay, Mary, sure. Well, I say goodbye. Goodbye, Don. It was a wonderful party. Glad you enjoyed it. So long, Jack. Goodbye, Mrs. Wilson. Goodbye, Jack. Now, let's see. 
Where's Phil? You're standing on him. <laughs> How do you like that? Well, it's Don's fault. He shouldn't let him drink so much. What do you mean, Don's fault? Phil was this way when he got here. He was not. Mary, when Phil arrived, I opened the door and he fell in like a body in a murder mystery. <laughs> now, come on, let's go. Gee, Mary, isn't this a nice night out? It sure is. What a beautiful sky. You know, the stars look so close, and they seem to be different colors. Red, pink, blue, yellow. Jack, that's confetti on your glasses. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, Mary, it was certainly a wonderful New Year's Eve party. Gee, we sure had a lot... Pardon me, folks. Pardon me. Huh? Now, what do you think I ought to get my wife for Christmas? <laughs> Christmas? Mister, Christmas was a whole week ago. This is New Year's. You mean it's already 1945? <laughs> it's 1948. Oh, my goodness. I better get home. <laughs> oh, well. Everybody celebrates in his own way. Say, Mary, did you notice at the party when the New Year came in, everybody got sentimental and they quieted down? Huh? Well, what do you mean they got sentimental? Well, they stopped singing and dancing. Well, they had to. The stroke of 12, Patrilla came in and shut off the phonograph. <laughs> oh, is that who it was? Well, here's your house, Mary. Yeah. Mary. What is it, Jack? Well, since this is the New Year, how about giving me a little kiss? Oh, Jack, let's not go through that again. You always get so emotional. I do not. You do, too. The last time I kissed you, you ran home, threw yourself across the bed, and cried for an hour. <laughs> well, that was my own fault. I had two glasses of cooking sherry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Well, good night, Jack, and Happy New Year. Good night, Mary. Hey, wait a minute. How would you like to go to the Rose Bowl game? Hey, that would be wonderful. But have you got tickets? There's plenty of time. The game doesn't start till tomorrow afternoon. <laughs> tomorrow? It's already 2 o'clock in the morning. Ah, don't worry about it. I'll get the tickets. Come on, let's go in your house. I want to use your phone. That's an old excuse, but I'll take a chance. <laughs> oh, don't be silly. Let's see, who can I... Well, I'll be darned. There's the blanket. You weren't kidding about my doctor, were you? <laughs> Now, who can I get tickets from? Oh, I know. I'll call Jeff Cravath, the USC coach. The USC coach? But Jackie may be asleep. What do you mean, asleep? He hasn't slept since the Notre Dame game. <laughs> oh, I know who'll let me have his extra tickets if he has any. Who? Ronald Coleman. Oh, Jack, you wouldn't call Mr. Coleman at this hour. Why not? This is New Year's Eve. Hand me the phone. The Ronald Coleman residence, Sherwood the butler speaking. Oh, Sherwood, this is Mr. Benny. May I speak to Mr. Coleman? Mr. Coleman is asleep, sir. Asleep already? Didn't he celebrate New Year's Eve? Oh, yes. We had a rip-roaring time here till almost nine o'clock. <laughs> nine o'clock? How could you celebrate the new year that early? We're on London time, you know. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah. Well, Sherwood, do you know if Mr. Coleman has any extra tickets to the Rose Bowl? Oh, I'm sure he hasn't any. Oh. 
Well, in that case, Sherwood, I'm sorry I woke you up, but I do want to take this opportunity to wish you a happy new year and that 1948 will be a year that you and yours will enjoy not only health and happiness... Yeah, I say, old chap, would you mind saying goodbye? There's a draft blowing up my nightshirt. <laughs> I'm sorry. Goodbye, Sherwood. Goodbye. Well, have any luck, Jack? No, the Coleman's didn't have any extra tickets, but they have crossed ventilation. <laughs> what? Don't worry, Mary. I'll get the tickets if I have... Hey, Mary, look out the window. Look who's passing. My pal, my buddy. Open the window, quick. Hey, Norman! Norman! Have you got two extra tickets to the Rose Bowl game? <laughs> <laughs> Well, Jack, it's way after 2.30. I'm going to bed. Wait a minute, Mary. I just thought of something. For the Rose Bowl game, they always put about 6,000 tickets on public sale. All we have to do is go down and buy them at the box office. But, Jack, there'll be a million people there. All right, so look how early we'll be. I'll call Rochester, have him pick us up in my car, and take us out to Pasadena. <laughs> Do you think your car will make this hill, Jack? Sure. Rochester, give it a little more gas. Okay. Well, we made it, Mary. You can hop in now. Why don't you get rid of this thing and buy a new one? Mary, how can you suggest such a thing? I couldn't get rid of this car. It's like an old friend. Been with me through thick and thin, through rain and shine, through joy and sorrow. Through McKinley and Truman. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, Jack, maybe you can get a new car through Fred Allen. You know, he's changing sponsors this week and he's going on the air for Ford. Mary, I wouldn't ask Fred Allen a favor for anything. Why, if I were stranded on some foreign island, hungry, and Alan came with, to me with food, I'd rather starve than accept a favor from him. How can you say that? A month ago, you sold him Christmas cards. That's business. <laughs> hey, Rochester, turn to the right on Camden Drive. I know a shortcut to Pasadena. Okay. Gee, Mary, I hope we can get tickets. I wouldn't miss this game for anything in the world. It's going to be... Oh, Jack, look at that poor old man. Where? Oh, yes. Look at that old man hobbling along on the sidewalk. That's a shame. Why well, feel sorry for him? He's going faster than we are. <laughs> Never mind. Stop the car. <laughs> Say, mister, would you like a lift? Eh? I said, would you like a lift? Where are you going? Oh. I'm going to Pasadena, to the Rosie Bowl. Oh, you going to see the game? See it. I'm playing halfback for USC. <laughs> oh, well, you don't have to be there till two o'clock. Drive <laughs> right on, Rochester. Say, Mary. 
The reason I'm so anxious to see this game, I don't know if I told you or not, but uh, I bet on USC. You did? Yeah, did I get a sucker. He took Michigan and gave me 40 points. <laughs> you know, that's a sure thing. Hey, Rochester, slow down. There's a parking lot. What does the sign say, Mary? Uh, park here for the Rose Bowl, one dollar. What? A dollar? Why, of all the profiteering rackets, one dollar, that's outrageous. That's the most... Boss, boss, that's your own house! <laughs> Oh, yes. Gee, 15 cars already. <laughs> it's only 4 o'clock in the morning. Now, Rochester, let's get to Pasadena as fast as we can. I don't want to miss getting those Rose Bowl tickets. Say, Jack, look, we left Phil at Don's house, and there he is walking toward us. Well, I'll be darned. Rochester, stop the car. Hey, Phil! Phil! Hiya, Jackson. Phil, do you know what condition you were in when I left Don's? Yeah, Jackson, I felt awful. It's the first time I ever passed out after the first glass. After the first glass? I'm going to say, what were you drinking? Milk. <laughs> milk? Yeah, some wise guy turned out the lights and handed it to me. <laughs> but, Phil, milk is good for you when you're drinking. It neutralizes the alcohol. It makes you feel good the next morning. Go on, Daddy. Now tell me about the birds and the bees. <laughs> Well, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Ashamed of what? So I've been having a little fun for the last two nights. Last two nights? Everybody else has a party on New Year's Eve, but you have to start your party the night before. So what? Henry Wallace started his party the night before that. Ha, 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 Oh, Harris, that nasty old milk ain't slowed you down a bit. <laughs> oh, brother. Hey, Phil, I don't think you should be walking around like this. Why don't you get in the car and let us drive you home? No, no, I feel fine now. I'll get home all right. Hey, Jackson, when did you get this brand new car? What? You better help men, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, look, you don't have to help me. I'm going to walk home. But, Phil, when you go out, doesn't Alice worry about you? Oh, sure. That's why she sold this note to my lapel. Note? Let me see that. What does it say, Mary? To whom it may concern. If lost, remove ropes from coat pockets, stand them up in time to a lamppost. <laughs> oh, well, and he's all right. So long, Phil. I'll be seeing you Sunday. Okay, Happy New Year, Jackson. Happy New Year. Now, hurry up, Rochester. I want to be sure and get those tickets. <laughs> What a crowd. Yeah. Here it is almost noon, and we've been standing in this ticket line for five hours. Yeah. And the line doesn't seem to... Hey, you back there, stop shoving. Wonder how long it'll be before we... I said stop shoving. Yeah, I can't understand, Mary. People go to football games, it brings out the worst in them. Look, I warned you twice. And if you shove me once more, I'll drag you out of line and I'll... I can't help it, mister. People are pushing me. <laughs> I don't care. Jack, control yourself. Well, lucky for her, she's wearing glasses. Say, <laughs> I'm getting kind of hungry. Me too. I think there's a man selling hot dogs over there. Where? Oh, yeah. Hey, mister, you with the hot dog. People in the middle with the mustard on top. Why, it's Mr. Kitzel. Hello, Mr. Benny. 
Happy New Year, Miss Livingston. Hello, Mr. Kitzel. Say, this is a coincidence. We first met you selling hot dogs here at the Rose Bowl two years ago. Yeah, now you're back here again. I've been selling hot dogs for nigh on to 20 years. <laughs> 20 years, eh? Well, how's the hot dog business? Well, it's pretty good, but I don't relish it. <laughs> relish? <laughs> I made that joke. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did. Very good, too. Well, give me a couple of hot dogs. Coming up. Oh, by the way, there's a slight meat shortage. Where did you get your frankfurters? From a doctor in Beverly Hills. <laughs> Jack, that must be your horse doctor. Mary, he means a butcher. Uh, two frankfurters, Mr. Kitzel. You want the pickle in the middle and the mustard on top, or the mustard in the middle and Johnny Logan on top? <laughs> Mr. Kitzel, stop making jokes, and here's your money. Thank you, Mr. Benny, and Happy New Year. Same to you, same to you. <laughs> Gee, Mary, he's a cute guy. Uh-huh. Darn it, this line doesn't seem to move up at all. Boy, I sure hope we can get tickets. I'm so anxious to see the game. Hey, Bud. Bud. Huh? You say you want to get some tickets? You say you want to see the game? Tell you what I'm going to do. What? I ain't got a pair of tickets smack on the 50-yard line, and you can have them for only 75 bucks. Look, mister, you got a nerve. Charming $75 for a pair of football tickets. Why, that ain't nothing. Why, there's a crook out in Beverly Hills charging a buck to park cars. <laughs> That's beside the point. You came here... Hey, you back there, I warned you three times to stop shoving. If you don't, I'll... You what? Gee, somebody must have taken her place. <laughs> I took her place. I'm her husband. Well, congratulations. She's a lovely girl. <laughs> now, where's that um, wise guy that was trying to sell me those? He's gone. Oh, yes. You know, Mary, it's a shame. Dennis wanted to see this game today, but he's got a bad cold, too, and he had to stay in bed. Gee, more people have been... Jack, Jack, move up. You're next at the ticket window. Oh, yes, yes, yes. All right, mister. How many tickets do you want? Uh, how much, uh, how much are they? Five dollars and fifty cents. Well, uh, here's my money, Jack. No, 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 Mary. No, no, I'll, I'll pay for these. I'll buy my own. I've still got money left from the May Company. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, one ticket, mister. Here you are. Uh, give me a ticket right next to hers, will you? Here you are. They're right together. And boy, are you two lucky. Those were the last tickets. Come on, Mary. Come on. Let's get out of here. Boy, we are lucky. I had my heart set all year on seeing this game, but I've got to see it now. Come on, Mary, we're over at Tunnel 16. Okay. You know, it's kind of chilly. I want to get a cup of coffee first. You want one, Mary? No, I don't want to get mixed up in that crowd. I'll go ahead and hold our seats. Okay, see you in a few minutes, Mary. Now, don't let him start the game without me. Let's see, where can I get the coffee? Well, there's a stand over there. Yeah, da dee da dum da dee da dee da dee da dee. Gee, I can't wait. 
Boy, it was a all night. Stood in line for five hours. It was worth it to get this ticket. Hey, mister. Mister. Huh? How many tickets you got to the game? One. What'd you pay for it? Five fifty. Want to sell it? Oh, no. Oh, no. No, siree. Not me. I don't know. I'll give you six dollars for it. Are you crazy? I've been looking forward to this game all year. I've been up all night calling people, begging people for these tickets. I drove all the way down here from Beverly Hills in that traffic. I waited in line five hours to get this ticket. Seven dollars? It's guys like you that always try... <laughs> How much? Seven bucks. Seven dollars? Yep. <laughs> Mister, do me a favor, will you? What? There'll be a girl sitting next to you. <laughs> Tell her you picked my pocket. Okay, here's your money. Thanks. So long, mister. Gee, I hate to miss that game. But then again, with this money, I can... Wait a minute. What kind of a $5 bill did he give me? Look at the picture on it. Madman Munts. <laughs> hey, mister! Mister, come back! Come back here! Hey, mister, come back here! Well, anyway, Don, now you know why I'll never go to another football game with Jack. Well, I don't blame you, Mary. That smart guy sold me the ticket. I'd like to see him again. I'll tell him plenty. Well, drop in to Sirius tonight, and you can. How do you know he's going to be there? I've got a date with him. You would. <laughs> Good night. Welcome back to Yesterday Today. Uh, Sidney Snorthoffer, janitor, has just entered the room very breathless and with a panic-stricken look on his face. Uh, Sidney, what's your, what's your deal? Guys, guys, oh, oh, I just heard, I just heard the bad news. Breathe, Sidney, breathe. Sorry, what? hyperventilating, hyperventilating. I just, I just heard the horrible news, guys. We're hey, all, I know it's Willie and Billy, we're but it's New Year's doomed. Eve, and we have to go somewhere, we're so... We're all doomed. What? I don't know what you're talking about. I'm talking about Y2K. Y2K. What? The year 2022 computer problem, guys. Uh, the year 2022 computer you problem. Haven't you heard? On the stroke of midnight, this New Year's Eve, tonight, stroke of midnight, it's going to happen. The computers are going to flip over and into the number 22 because the computers are using the last two digits instead of all four digits of the year. So the computer's going to think it's 1922 instead of 2022, and then the whole world will descend into chaos. I mean, think about it, guys. How, how much money did you have in your bank account in 1922? That's how much you'll have at midnight tonight! Sydney, I don't... 
I don't even know how to begin to explain why this is un- an unreasonable, unrealistic fear. I just found out about this from this book I found at the library, the, the, the Y2K Family Survival Guide. Sydney. Valuable information couple, in here, Okay, guys. first off, that was, that was referring to the year 2000 bug. Second off, it didn't happen. Denial is not a good coping strategy for surviving a disaster like this. Sydney, there is no disaster. It's not happening. Oh, that's what they all say. Picture, picture this, fellas. You're, you're, you're a Jewish, a Jewish citizen of Germany in 1922. Whoa, and everything's no, going no, fine. No. But then, the Gestapo busted, and you think, oh no, why wasn't I prepared? Why didn't I say something? First, they came for the radicals, and I was not a radical, so I didn't speak up. And then they came for the other group, and I wasn't part of them, so I didn't speak up. And then they came for me. Why you came? It's on the way. Sydney, you dear, dear, sweet, simple-minded janitor, Sydney. There's, there's, there's no Y2K. I promise. Also, Sydney, just my minor question: When I came into the building today, I noticed a uh, bunker being built out back. Would, would that have been you by chance? I was wondering about that. You're not gonna be sorry at the stroke at midnight when, when the, when the computer systems and the guided missiles go haywire and the whole country blows up and I'm the only one left alive. Yeah, well, we're, we're, we're gonna feel real silly then. So, uh, won't, you, Sydney, won't I feel like an idiot then? Sydney, you have my permission to say uh, I told you so when it happens. So, yeah, don't worry about us. We're, we'll, we'll accept the consequences of our own ignorance. All right. Oh, you'll be sorry, fellas. You'll be sorry. I'm not sharing my bunker with you. No, sir. Right. Thank you, Chicken Little. Jake, what's next up on the agenda? Uh, this is an episode of Suspense entitled The 32nd of December from 1958. Suspense. And the producer of radio's outstanding theater of thrills, the master of mystery and adventure, William N. Robeson. Tampering with time has been an ambition of man since he first realized how inexorably he is time's slave. At this time of the year... Although we have even less time on our hands, time is much in our minds. We make a magic ritual of New Year's Eve when we suppose we can flush away all our past impurities and begin afresh at that magic hour of midnight on the 31st of December. But suppose we couldn't. Suppose the 31st of December were not the end. Listen. Listen, then, as Mr. Frank Lovejoy stars in the 32nd of December. And now... The 32nd of December, starring Mr. Frank Lovejoy. A tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. New Year's Eve. As far as I was concerned, when I got up the morning of December 31st, it could stay 1958 forever. The only trouble is time doesn't work that way. Time is a downhill ride in a car with no brakes. You can't stop it even if your life depends on it. And mine did. Joe, your breakfast is getting cold. I'm coming, I'm coming. All I have time for is a cup of coffee anyway. Uh, What is this, milk? Don't we ever have anything but milk to put in the coffee? You know we can't afford cream these days. We can hardly afford to eat. Molly, you'll be wearing mink yet. Just give me a little more time. Yeah, you've been saying that ever since you got married. Well, sooner or later, Molly, I'm going to make it. By the way, honey, uh, let me have your ring. Why? Well, you said the diamond's loose. I'll drop it to the jewelers on my way to the office. Oh, we can't afford to get it fixed now. Molly, that's an expensive ring. We can't afford not to take care of it. 
Joe, have you been gambling again? Oh, now, Molly, I told you, I'm all through with that. You told me the same thing just before you pawned your watch. And the cufflinks I gave you on our first anniversary. I'm and not the... going to pawn your engagement ring. Now, let me have it. I'll pick it up on my way home tonight. Well, all right, but, Joe... What? Remember, it's very precious, at least to me. Sure. Sure, I've been gambling again. I was in the whole bag. The boys wanted to pay off by midnight, and this time they weren't going to take no for an answer. If I couldn't raise the dough on Molly's ring, I didn't know what I'd do. The pawn shop was like any other pawn shop. Dirty and gloomy, full of junk, with clocks ticking all over the place. One thing caught my eye as soon as I came in. In the front case, a watch. Curiously ornate, obviously very old. It sort of glowed in the case. I couldn't take my eyes off it. You like to look at the watch? Oh, uh, no. <laughs> no, it's very interesting, but... Uh, how much can I get on this ring? On this, I can lend you $150. $150? Uh, the guy I wanted off claimed it was worth more than 1000 150 I can probably get 500 for it, easy. Then you would be foolish to accept my offer. That's the best you can do. 150. I'll take it. I will get the money. While I waited, I felt my eyes drawn to the antique watch again. I picked it up. It felt warm in my hand, almost as if it were alive. Its face was covered with all sorts of dials and figures. The date of the month phase of the moon, even the signs of the zodiac. Some of the dials I couldn't read at all. They were inscribed with strange characters like hieroglyphics or ancient Sanskrit. Suddenly I felt I had to have that watch. One hundred, twenty, forty, forty-five, one hundred fifty. Can you tell me what all these dials mean? I can tell you only that this watch controls many kinds of time. The fellow who pawned it claimed it could make time pass as slowly or as rapidly as he desired. <laughs> That's a pretty good trick. Mm -hmm. But only a trick. Time is different for each of us, is it not? What do you mean? To a man sitting on a hot stove, one second lasts forever. But to a man making love, forever is only a second. <laughs> yeah, I, I see what you mean. How much are you asking for the watch? $150. Excuse me. Hello. Yes, one moment, please. Is your name Joe Adcock? Yeah, why? Yes, Mr. Adcock is here. Who is it? Who is calling? Hello. Hello. Hmm. That is odd. Nobody knew I was coming here. Who was it? He did not identify himself. He just said, I would not believe him. Then he hung up. <laughs> it's funny. Say, uh, now what about the guy who pawned this watch? Any chance of him wanting it back? No, Mr. Adcock. He will not return for it. He has no further use for the watch. <laughs> okay. Well, then I'll take it. I don't know why, but... I, I've got to have it. 
I had no business buying the watch. It was a crazy thing to do. I hadn't walked more than a few steps from the pawn shop when I learned just how crazy. Hold it, Adcock. Well, who are you? Just one of the boys. What do you want? A little talk. Private. In the alley here. But I don't have... In the alley. Ah, my arm. You got the grand, Adcock? I got until midnight to get it. Yeah, that's right. The boss just wants me to make sure you don't forget. Like last time. Oh, I, I won't forget, I promise. I'll be waiting for you at midnight. Right here by the pawn shop. Oh, and one more thing. So what is it? This. Oh, that's just to make sure you don't forget. If you don't show up with the dough, there ain't going to be no New Year for you. You understand? Yes, I, I understand. Good. See you at midnight. I had to get back the 150. Maybe I could make a fast killing at the track with it or, or, or something. I had to get it back. Oh, back so soon, Mr. Edcock? Yes, yes, I, uh, I made a mistake. We all make mistakes. That is life. Look, I've got to have that money back. Here's your watch. My watch, Mr. Adcock? This is your watch. You bought it. But, but I don't want it. I want the money. A deal is a deal. But you don't understand. Uh, I... It is you who do not understand, Mr. Adcock. To sell the watch, you must find a buyer. I am not buying. But look, you've got to help me. Well, will you take the watch in pawn? Of course. That is my business. Well, how much can I get for it? Five dollars. Five dollars? Just a few minutes ago, I paid a hundred and fifty for it. It is unfortunate that I do not value it so highly now. Five dollars? No, thanks. Five dollars wouldn't help me. I had to have money, big money. My only chance now was to try to borrow it. I know you've had an account here for years, Mr. Adcock, and of course we like to do what we can for our regular customers, but unless you have some collateral... Well, what kind of collateral? Oh, stocks, bonds, real estate. Uh, if I had that kind of stuff, I wouldn't need the loan. Five hundred? Joe, you're crazy. Hey, bartender, another beer. All right, all right, Harry. Make it a C-note, anything. Yeah, well, what about the C-note you borrowed last August? Oh, I'll pay you back. Honest. Yeah, I heard that last August. Oh, Harry, how long have you known me? Mm, ten years, I guess. All right, ten years. Doesn't that count for anything? For a C-note, it don't. Oh, but Harry... No! Not a dime. Not a lousy dime. Only one thing left to do. Shop. Molly, uh, I want you to come home right now. Joe, aren't you at work? No, I'm home. Well, what's the matter? Are you sick? I'm all right. Just come home and hurry. Joe, what's wrong? We've got to get out of town. Fast. It took only a few minutes to throw everything Molly and I owned in the suitcases. I kept looking at the watch, wondering when Molly was going at to show up. At the signal, the correct time will be 2.30. 2.30? What's keeping her? Well, at least the watch is on time. I wonder when I ought to wind it. <laughs> Might as well do it right now. If I can figure out which one of these knobs to use. I'll try this one. What the devil? Where did the sun go? It was shining a minute ago. Now it's snowing. 
Oh, last it, I did get the wrong knob. I moved it back to the 28th, so now I've got... Hey, wait a minute. The 28th? Well, Sunday, the day we had the big snowstorm. Could the watch have... Ah, it's impossible. I set it back to the 31st, and I... What the... Now the sun is shining. Did the watch change the day, or am I losing my mind? Maybe I could set it again, test it. Let me see. I, uh... I was in that pawn shop just before 1 o'clock. I set the hour hand back to 12.45. There. Now we'll see. Third Avenue Pawn Shop? Yes. Is, uh, is Joe Adcock there? One moment, please. Is your name Joe Adcock? Yeah, I'm Yes, Mr. Adcock is here. Who is Who is calling? You wouldn't believe me if I told you. I could hardly believe it myself. But there was no question about it. The watch did control time. Once I'd grasped that fact, I began to realize its implications. For the first time in my life, I could have all the time I needed, all the time I wanted. Joe! Joe! Oh, Joe, what's wrong? Not a thing, Molly, not a thing. But you said we had to leave town. Oh, did I? Well, that's all over now. Joe, what are you talking about? I'll probably lose my job. No, no, don't get excited. I... Well, I might as well tell you the whole story. I lied to you about the gambling, Molly. I'm a thousand dollars in debt. I've got to pay off by midnight, but... You I... pawned my ring, didn't you? But now, don't worry. I'll get it back. You lied to me. I said I'll get it you back. You have no right to pawn it. It's mine. I want my ring, All though. right, I'll get it. Now, right now. I haven't got time now. I've got to get back to the bank before it closes. Get my ring, you promise. Will you quit nagging me about your blasted ring? Let me get back to the bank. We'll have enough money to buy you a dozen rings. Joe, what are you going to do? I'm going to rob the bank. What else? Watch figured out right. Robbing the bank would be as easy as taking pennies from a blind man. It was two minutes to three when I walked into the bank and headed for the vault. Oh, hello, Mr. Adcock. Back again, I see. Yeah, yeah, I've got to get into my safety deposit box. Certainly, go right ahead. Good. Nobody else in here. Now... I just turned the watch back to Sunday, the 28th. It worked. <laughs> I'm locked in the vault, and it's Sunday. Now, let's see where they keep the ready cash. There it is. Stacks of it, and all mine. Well, that's plenty for now. Enough to pay the mob and more. <laughs> There's always more where this comes from. Now, reset the watch to December 31st. Perfect. The perfect crime. All I have to do is get out of here without letting them see the money. Mr. Adcock. Yes? A happy and prosperous New Year to you, sir. Oh, thanks. Thanks a lot. Molly! Hey, Molly. 
Molly, it worked. We're rich. Have you been drinking? No, not a drop. Here, look at this. Go on. Take them up. They're real. Sure. These are $1,000 bills. Where did you get them? I robbed the bank. Oh, come on, Joe. I always told you I'd make it big someday. Well, today is the day. Now, you go out and buy yourself a dress. We're going to celebrate New Year's Eve in style. Yeah, yeah, come on. Let, let's get out of this crowd. It's almost midnight. I thought we were going to celebrate. You were going to take me to a nightclub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But first, I, I got to meet a guy at midnight. Come on. Ooh. A guy. I got to pay off that gambling debt. Well, where are you meeting him? It's just a block away in front of the pawn shop. The pawn shop? My ring. Joe, you forgot my ring. Oh, for Pete's sake. I'll get your lousy ring back. Just give me a little time. Oh, a little time. That's the story of your life, isn't it, Joe? Just give me a little time. Well, all right, I'll give you all the time you want, all the rest of your life. I'm through with you, Joe. I just can't take it anymore. Molly, don't leave me. Molly, come back. Well, what happened? Molly just disappeared. The street is deserted. Molly! Hey, where is everybody? I wonder if this crazy watch had anything to do with the 32nd. It should have clicked over to January 1st. Oh, no wonder everybody disappeared there. Isn't any 32nd of December. I'll just, I'll just reset it. It's stuck. It won't budge. Oh, it's got to move. It's just... Oh, no. It can't be broken. I can't stay in the 32nd of December forever. I've got to fix it. I've got to get the back off. I've got to get it to works. I... There. But there's nothing inside. It's the 32nd of December. And it will always be the 32nd of December. Suspense. In which Frank Lovejoy starred in William N. Robeson's production of the 32nd of December. Written by Morris Lee Green and William Walker. Supporting Frank Lovejoy on the 32nd of December were Joan Banks, Barney Phillips, Sam Pierce, and Norm Alden. Listen. Listen again next week when we return with another tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. Tonight, Thrill with Gunsmoke on the CBS Radio Network.
Alright, welcome back to Yesterday Today. We're just heading out the door for the, for the, uh, for the New Year's Eve party, and we're about to play this last episode here while we do. Okay, I've got the car all warmed up. It was gonna, it looked like it was gonna take a while there to scrape all the ice off the windshield, but instead I just splashed a little bit of Virgil's eggnog on there and ate right through it. Uh, the ice or the windshield? You have a scarf, right? Yeah, I, I have one of those. Um, what was the address Willie left us? Yeah, he left it right here. It is the, the mayor's house. Interesting. I thought the mayor was uh, out of town this week on like a on like a official business thing. I'm I'm probably just I'm probably got the addresses mixed up. I'm sure it's it's fine. Okay. Well, if you say so. All right, folks. We're gonna play. This is Phil Harris, Phil Harris House Face Show. One of my favorite New Year's Eve episodes from them. So here it is, and uh, we're gonna take off. This party waits for no man. New Year's Eve. We gotta keep rolling. From Hollywood, the Phil Harris Alice Fay Show. For your enjoyment, here is the Phil Harris Alice Fay Show, written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Robert North, Janine Roos, Anne Whitfield, Walter Sharp and his music, yours truly, Bill Foreman, and starring Alice Fay and Phil Harris. <laughs> Tonight, throughout the world, millions of people are ushering in the new year. Some are celebrating it with their families, some are going to nightclubs, and others are spending a quiet evening at home with a few intimate friends. The latter is the case with Phil's and Alice's sponsor, Mr. Scott. As we look in, Mr. Scott and his wife are checking their guest list. Are you sure you took care of all the invitations for our party, Clyde? Uh, yes, I did, Myrtle. <laughs> I mailed an invitation to the Bennets, the Peppers, the New Roths, and the Ackmans. How about the invitation to Phil Harris? I dropped that down the sewer like we planned. <laughs> oh, you didn't really. No, no, I mailed him an invitation. I sent it to Phil Harris, 176 Spruce Street, Kansas City, Missouri. <laughs> but Clyde, Phil Harris lives in Encino, California. <laughs> know what I'm doing every minute <laughs> Well, you shouldn't have done it I'd like very much to have Mrs. Harris here So would I, she's a lovely person And Mr. Harris isn't such a bad sort No, no, I guess he's all right If you can stomach that sort of thing <laughs> I really don't mind Harris so much But I just can't stand that ghoul That's always with him <laughs> Ghoul? Oh, of course Mr. Remley uh, Do me a favor, Mert The next time we're having a party Don't put Harris's name on the guest list Well, don't blame me You're the one who mentioned the party to him And I felt obligated to send an invitation Oh, well, I'd better go up and put my tuxedo on The guests will be arriving in an hour Well, don't upset yourself about Mr. Harris He won't get the invitation, so he won't be here Let's have a drink to that <laughs> I don't want to stay home on New Year's Eve. It's 7 o'clock already. Let's plan to go someplace. Now sit where you are. We're not leaving this house until we get an invitation to Mr. Scott's party. But, Phil, you've been expecting it all week. You've been sitting around in your tuxedo since Tuesday. <laughs> don't exaggerate. I only put it on when I got up this morning. What makes you so sure you're going to be invited? Oh, I saw Scotty the other day, and he told me about the party and practically invited me. 
What do you mean practically invited you? Well, I happened to be in his office the other day and I peeked over his shoulder and saw him making out his guest list. And I said, uh, I don't see my name on there. And he said, it ain't because you're nearsighted. <laughs> <laughs> and I laughed and, and he laughed and, well, it's obvious. What's obvious? He didn't say I shouldn't come. <laughs> Alice, I know he's inviting us. There must be an invitation in the mail. But it's Sunday. There's no delivery today. Well, then he'll send us a telegram. Well, you've been calling Western Union all day, and there's no message for you. Well, he'll find some way to get in touch with us. Look out the window. Maybe he's sending up smoke signals. <laughs> well, if it isn't my favorite brother-in-law, Tallulah Fayhead. <laughs> Stop kidding yourself, Philip. Mr. Scott is not going to invite you. He doesn't want you at his party. He doesn't want me? No. Are you kidding, Baxter? <laughs> I make any party I go to. And if you don't believe me, ask any member of the Musicians' Union. <laughs> I'm known as the Pearl Mesta of Local 47. <laughs> Poor Alice. She hasn't been invited any place since she married you. Now, what are you talking about? When Alice was a star in pictures, she was invited everywhere. She had a date with one of her leading men every night. Men like Thomas Meehan, Wallace Reed, and Lou Coleman. <laughs> Not to mention J. Warren Carrigan and Snub Pollard. And how about William Farnham and Richard Barton? All right already. <laughs> that was before my time. Look, Willie... Alice gets to go out plenty since she married me. Maybe we don't go out with a movie crowd, but we get a lot of invitations from my friends. Only last week, we attended a formal three-cushion billiard exhibition at the home of Side Pocket Sam. Side Pocket Sam? That's right. He's the Beverly Hills socialite and schnooker expert. <laughs> and a lovely party it was, wasn't it, Alicia? Oh, yes. Yes, especially the dinner. I asked the man at the head of the table to pass me the meatballs. What happened? He chalked up, broke them, and everybody got one except me. <laughs> Alice, I'm sure that Mr. Scott would... Uh-oh, maybe that Scotty came over to invite us personally. I'll get it. Hiya, Scotty. We'll be glad to come to you. Oh, it's you, Remley. How are you? Oh, my poor head. <laughs> I'll never do it again. I'll never touch another drop as long as I live. Oh. Well, you kicked off early this year, huh, Bob? <laughs> you must feel terrible. No, I feel great. Then what are you doing? Practicing for tomorrow morning. <laughs> well, why do you have to say it tonight? Because I ain't going to be in no condition to remember it tomorrow. <laughs> What are you doing tonight, Frankie? Um, ah, that depends. What are you doing? I'm going to a party at Mr. Scott's house. That's good enough for me. <laughs> Frankie, you haven't been invited. Well, what's that got to do with it? I haven't been invited to some of the best parties I ever attended. <laughs> I'll be glad to go with you, Curly. I'll be glad to have you go, except for one thing. I haven't been invited yet either. Oh. Well, in that case, I'll have to go without you.
I'll call you tomorrow morning and let you know how it was. Hello, Frankie. Oh, hello, Alice. I hear you're going to Mr. Scott's party. No, I'm not. I haven't been invited. I know more people that haven't been invited to this party. <laughs> Mr. Scott hasn't asked anybody. I wonder if he asked Mrs. Scott. <laughs> I just can't understand why he didn't ask me. Frankie, after the way you behaved at Mr. Scott's last party, you'll never be invited to his house again. Why? What did I do? When you were leaving, you grabbed Mrs. Scott, swept her into your arms, bent her over backwards, and kissed her on the lips. That was an accident. <laughs> I thought she was the maid. <laughs> well, if we're going to Scott's, let's go, huh? We're not going. Phil, let's make a reservation someplace, okay, huh? Okay, okay. Where do you want to go, honey? Uh, how about Ciro's? That's where we spent our first New Year's Eve together. Do you remember? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was ten years ago. Gee, it was romantic. The moon was bright. The band was playing softly. And you were singing our song, The Thing. <laughs> wasn't the thing, and besides, you were the one that was singing to me. You were singing that beautiful ballad that I taught you, the marching song of the Confederate Army. <laughs> Sing it again, will you, Minnie Pearl? Ask me how do I feel, ask me now that we're cozy and clinging. Well, sir, all I can say is if I were a bell, I'd be ringing. From the moment we kissed tonight That's the way I just got to behave Boy, if I were a lamp, I'd light Or if I were a banner, I'd wave Ask me how do I feel, little me With my quiet upbringing Well, sir, all I can say Is if I were a gate, I'd be swinging And if I were a watch, I'd start Popping my spring boy. Or if I were a bell, I'd go ding dong, ding dong, ding. Ask us how do we feel from this chemistry lesson we're learning. Well, all right, boys, how do you feel? Well, dear, all we can say is if we were a bridge, we'd be burning. Ooh, I knew my morale would crack. You gotta be careful. From the wonderful way that he looked. Boy, if I were a duck, I'd quack. Or if I were a goose, I'd be cooked. Ask me how do I feel? Ask me now that we're fondly caressing. Wonderful, isn't it? Oh, if I were a salad, I just know I'd be splashing my dressing. Or if I were a season, I'd surely be spring. Or if I were a bell, I'd go. If I were a bell, I'd go. If I were a bell, I'd go. Honey, that was beautiful. Brings back memories to me. <laughs> to me, too. That was the night of the proposal. Yeah. I'll never forget the way your face lit up when I said yes. <laughs> <laughs> Look, honey, if we're going to Ciro's, you better go up and get ready. Okay, honey, I'll be right down. Hey, Curly. 
Why spend a lot of money at Ciro's when we can go to a free party at Scott's house? <laughs> Look, Remley, for the last time, I keep telling you, we didn't get an invitation. You give up too easy. Maybe the man's been trying to get you on the phone and can't. Why don't you call him? Yeah. Yeah. The least I can do is call and find out if he's been trying to get me. Sure. Huh? Give me that phone. Here you are. Now, I'm not going to invite myself. I'm just going to find out if he's been trying to reach me. Hello? Uh, hello, uh, is Mr. Scott there? Speaking, who's this? Uh, this is Phil Harris. So, Sally, you have a long number. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> uh, jiggly longly. Hmm. Last time I called him, he was a German delicatessen. <laughs> wouldn't mind so much, but his dialects are so lousy. <laughs> now look, Mr. Scott, I know it's you, and I'm going to keep calling you until you run out of those corny dialects. Oh, nuts, he's got me. <laughs> what do you want, Harris? Well, I just heard you've been trying to get in touch with me all day. Is that right? No, it isn't. Uh, well, let me put it this way. The operator just called me and said that you've been trying to reach me on the phone since early morning. The operator said that? Yes, she did. Well, you call her back and tell her she's a big, fat liar. <laughs> What's on your mind, Harris? Well, uh, Mr. Scott, being it's New Year's Eve, I thought that maybe you and Mrs. Scott would uh, like to go out with Alice and me. We can't. We're having a party. <laughs> you are? Well, there's nothing like having a party and inviting your friends over to the house, I always say. <laughs> yes, sir. That's what I always say, and I wonder how long I'm going to have to keep saying it before he thinks... <laughs> Harris, I don't know what you're talking about. Remley, he ain't taking the hand. You ain't handling it right, Curly. Let me talk to him. Okay, but be subtle about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Hello, Mr. Scott. This is Frankie Remley. What a disgusting way to start a conversation. <laughs> what do you want, bunghead? That's no way to talk to a man who's going to be a guest at your house tonight. Remley, listen to me and listen closely. I'm having a nice, quiet gathering for a few intimate friends. You are not included in my plans. I want no part of you. And if you dare come within a hundred yards of my place, I'll cut you down with a high-powered elephant gun. <laughs> Just for that, I got a good mind not to show up. <laughs> what did he say, Frankie? What did he say? He's begging us to come now. Oh, yeah. All right, Mr. Scott, we'll all be over in an hour, and thanks for the invitation. Goodbye, Scotty. Hello, Remley. Hello. Hello. Remley, Remley. I tell you, I don't want you... Oh, well, if he shows up, I can always poison his drink. <laughs> oh, dear. Why, Clyde, you look terribly upset. What's wrong? Brace yourself, Myrtle. <laughs> I have terrible news for you. We're on the brink of disaster. Oh, Clyde, don't tell me the stock market crashed and your wiped out. Oh, if it was only that simple. <laughs> this is much worse. Remley is coming to our party. Oh, no. Well, what are we going to do? I don't know. He's on his way over now, and I... Myrtle, 
Do you think we can pack and be ready to move in an hour? Don't be ridiculous. Why don't we just turn the lights out? If he thinks nobody's home, he'll go away. Not Remley. He'll break in. <laughs> well, he's never been here. Maybe he won't find the place. No, no. The Harrises have our address, and they... Wait a minute. They may have our address, but they've never been to the house. If I could take the number off our house and put it on Mr. Sweeney's house... But, darling, Mr. Sweeney's the sheriff. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I can't think of a better house for Mr. Remley to break into. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'll get busy changing numbers. All right, dear. And just in case he happens to find our house, I'll make preparation for his arrival. I'll lock up the silverware and I'll have the guests put their valuables in the wall safe. And put my elephant gun in the vestibule. <laughs> Hey, Alice If you're all ready, we can start going over to the Scots oh, Phil, are you sure Mr. Scott invited us? Oh, he was very insistent, wasn't he, Frankie? Oh, yeah He said he'd be very hurt if we didn't show up He threatened to shoot himself with an elephant gun <laughs> So come on, Alice, let's hurry, let's go All right, if you... Phil, what have you got under your arm? My music When I'm called upon to sing, I want to be prepared How do you know the Scots will ask you to sing? Oh, doll, how can you talk like that? <laughs> They're sure to ask me to sing, but in case they don't, I'll suggest it I'll ask Mr. Scott if he wants me to sing And before he has a chance to say no... I'll be into the song like this. Young Johnny Jones, he had a cute little boat. And all the girlies he would take for a float. He had girlies by the score. Sweet little peaches on the shore. But Johnny was a Weisenheimer, you know. His steady girl was Flo. And every Sunday afternoon They'd jump in his boat and they would spoon And then he'd row, row, row Right up that river he would row, row, row Ha ha, he'd give her then He'd kiss her now and then She would tell him when He'd fool around and fool around And then he'd kiss again And then he'd row, row, row A little further he would row Just he and flow With her head on his chest He'd take a few measures rest And then he'd row in Johnny's boat he had a cute little seat And all the kisses that he stole were so sweet And he knew just how to row He was a rowing Romeo He had an island where the trees were so grand He knew just how to land then tales of love he'd tell the flow Until it was time for them to go And he'd row, row, row On up that river he would row so slow A hug he'd give her, then he'd kiss her now and then She would tell him when He'd fool around and fool around And then he'd kiss her <laughs> A little further he would row Just he and flow then he'd drop both his oars, take a few more encores, and then he'd row, 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 just he and Florence, row, row, row right into heaven, row, row. He had no Johnson Motors, so Johnny and Flo would row, row, row.
Alice, we ought to be pretty close to Scotty's house now. What was his number again? 1300. Well, I'll drive slow and, and uh, uh, you watch the numbers, Remley. Okay. Let's see, this is 751, 753, 755, 1300. There it is. <laughs> 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 I don't get this. There's something wrong. Well, what's wrong? <laughs> I thought we did that very good. Well, the numbers jumped from 755 to 1300, and an even number on the odd side of the street. <laughs> well, you know Beverly Hills. They gotta be different. <laughs> Come on, let's get out, huh? Hey, Phil, I don't see any lights in the house. If they're having a party, why are the lights out? Uh, maybe they're necking. <laughs> if they are, I get first crack at the maid. Wait. <laughs> oh, Phil! Phil, look, there's a police car in the driveway. A police... Hey, Remley, did the cops know you were coming to this place? <laughs> Don't be a wise guy. They're not here for me. Must be Mr. Scott's parole officer. Yeah. <laughs> well, come on, let's hurry in, boy. I can't wait to get started in that now, party. Now, fellas, gonna... I want you to behave yourselves because... The... Pardon me, could you tell me where to find a Scott's house? I got some... Oh, hello, Mr. Harris. Hey, it's Julius. Hey, right in here, kid. Hey, old Jill, huh? Don't tell me you were invited to this party, too. Nah, I'm just making a delivery. I got four cases of drinks for the Scott's party. Hey, around. <laughs> they left it, you hear that? Four cases of this stuff Yeah Two for each of us <laughs> Hey, uh, what kind of stuff did they order, kid? Old whipping post or tiger's breath? <laughs> better than that What could be better? Now, what did they order, kid? Cherry pop, cream soda, and celery tonic. <laughs> oh, I could see we're in for a gay time. I hope we're not too late for the first minuet. Julius, why are you wearing a tuxedo? Well, this is my last delivery. I'm going to a party from here. You know, this is the first time I ever wore a tuxedo. How do I look in this monkey suit? Like a monkey? <laughs> Bill, I think he looks very cute. Do you have a date tonight, Julius? Yeah. I guess who I got a date with? I don't know, but I'll bet she's the best-looking camel in Beverly Hills. <laughs> she's not a camel! But you're close. <laughs> That's no way to talk about a girl you're dating. Well, I didn't want to date her. It's my cousin. My mother's making me take her out. Oh? What does she look like? Oh, you ought to see her. Oh, is she a girl? Is she a girl? That's the first question everybody asks. <laughs> Julius, if you don't like the dame, what are you taking her out for? She's got money. She's a debutante. Oh, a society girl. Is her name in Who's Who? 
No, but they got a picture and watch this. <laughs> well, I, uh, I better get this stuff into Mr. Scott's. Yeah, yeah, we better get in that party, too, before it's all over. Come on. Now, Frankie, Frankie, watch your manners tonight. Don't do what you did at the last party we took you to. What did I do wrong? All I did was drink champagne out of a lady's slipper. I know, but you're not supposed to go around measuring which one has the biggest foot. <laughs> hey, nobody answered yet. Ring the bell again. Oh, Phil. Phil, this is very strange. There are no lights on. Nobody answers the door. Are you sure we have the right house? Certainly. This is number 1300. Maybe they're in another room and can't hear us. I'll try that door. Uh-oh, it's locked. Step aside, I'll get us in. <laughs> Frankie, if the door's locked, how are you going to get us in? Fortunately, I brought my axe. <laughs> Stand back, everybody. Frankie, you can't batter the door down. Oh, don't be so formal. Phil, I think maybe we ought to go home. Honey, we can't do that. If we don't show up, the Scots will be insulted. <laughs> now, what was that? I don't know. I just happened to lean against the window with my axe and the pain splinter. <laughs> Cheap glass. I guess so. Well, look, as long as the window's broken... Hey, Julius, as long as that window's broken, why don't you crawl in that front door for us, huh? Okay. Phil, I don't think we're doing the right thing. <laughs> Please, Alice, let us handle this. They were nice enough to invite us to the party. The least we can do is to make an effort to get in. <laughs> okay, the door's open. Come on in and watch your step. Phil, I don't like the looks of this. The room is pitch dark. Mr. Harris, did the Scots know that you and Mr. Emily was coming? Yeah. Maybe it's a booby trap. <laughs> well, I'm going to turn the light on. Hey, this is a nice room. And look what's on the desk. What? A gun, a pair of handcuffs, and a sheriff's badge. Isn't that cute? Scotty's <laughs> playing hoppy again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's the doorbell. Must be some more of the guests. Come in. Why, it's Mr. and Mrs. Scott. Oh, Mrs. Harris, thank goodness we got here in time. In time, she says. You're two hours late for your own party. Yeah, where have you been, Mrs. Scott? Mr. Harris, my husband has a confession to make. Go ahead. Tell them, Clyde. Oh, very well. Harris, I did something tonight that my wife tells me I'm ashamed of. <laughs> you see, this house we're in isn't... All right, everybody, stay where you are and put your hands up. Mr. Sweeney! What are you people doing here? Uh, look, Mr. Sweeney, I can explain this. Don't I... move or I'll put a hole through you. Uh, yes, sir. Don't let him bluff you, Scotty. Jump him and take his gun away. <laughs> if he tries it, I'll shoot him. I'd like to see you. You can't talk that way to our boss. The boss, huh? So, you're the leader of this mob. Uh, now, wait a minute, Mr. Sweeney. I happen to be a respectable citizen of this community. Surely you've seen me around? Yes, and I always figured a guy with a face like yours couldn't make his money honestly. Don't you dare talk to my husband that way! Tell Ma Barker to button her lip. You can't scare us. Let's rush him, Remley. Yeah, we'll take him apart. You two take one step and I'll plug you. You mean if these guys take one step, you'll kill them? Yeah. 
Mr. Renley, Mr. Harris. What? On your mark, get set, go! Julius! Julius, stop pushing! Get away from us. Come on, Remley, let's take him. Don't do it, Harris. You're making a mistake. You hit him high, Remley. I'll hit him low. Harris, it's the sheriff! <laughs> that was quite a brawl. It certainly was. You two fellas are the oh, worst... Oh, honey, now don't be a sore head. It was all in fun. After all, it's New Year's Eve and you... Hey, it's 12 o'clock. It's the new year. Happy New Year, everybody. Should all acquaintance be forgot and never... Hey, you! What? No singing in the patrol wagon. <laughs> oh, Sheriff, don't be a wet blanket. It's New Year's Eve and it's a happy occasion and everybody wants to sing. Alice, Frankie, Julius, and, and how about you, sir? Don't talk to me, Harris. A man of my importance in a patrol wagon. This is the first time a thing like this has ever happened to me. Oh, no, it isn't, Clyde. Don't you remember the time they raided that burlesque show and you were... Oh, button your lips, huh? <laughs> Come on, everybody. Let's all be happy and sing. Should old acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind... Should old acquaintance be forgot And days of all lang syne For all lang syne, my dear For all lang syne We'll take a cup of kindness yet Well, tonight the old year goes out and the new one comes in. Let's all hold fate for this new year that the way for peace will be found. But if not found, let America be strong and not be found wanting. All right, folks, uh, this has been yesterday today. We're back at the studio. So interesting uh, detail about that party. Um, we, we showed up. It yeah. was, in fact, the mayor's house that the party was at. Uh, but we showed up to the place. The whole place was dark. Uh, we, we switched the lights on. There were balloons, confetti on the floor, screamers everywhere, uh, uh, punch bowl in the middle of the room, you know. Uh, all, all the signs of the party was there, but it was no longer there. There were some funny paper hats on the tables. And uh, there was a note, by the way, next to the punch bowl. Uh, Willie left a note for us. Very kind and considerate of him to leave a note that says, Dear Jack and Marty... Unfortunately, our New Year's Eve uh, tomfoolery and shenanigans have been put to a quick end by uh, so-called uniformed officials referring to themselves as the, quote, police, end quote. Uh, we will see you later and have a happy new year. On the back of that note was an extortion letter, um, but we're just going to ignore that. Yeah, I don't think I don't think we need to concern ourselves with that. You know, it's rude to snoop into people's people's mail so uh i guess it'll be a bit of a quieter new year's eve for us and we thought it would but eh, you know that's fine yeah just uh quiet quiet new year's at home and ah should all the acquaintance be forgotten never brought to mind here's to a here's to a good year of uh feel uh hand me that eggnog we can toast to it 
it's it's kind of leaking through the bottom that, of the of the jug oh, there. Hot. So be careful. Oh, that kind of burns. Oh, jeez, 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 Louise. All right, all right. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. See ya, folks. Uh, we'll uh, we'll catch you next year. Um, yesterday, today. Ah, oh, that stuff burns, man. Here's to a toast to to 2022. <coughs> that was a mistake drinking that. <coughs> <coughs>